Today, we talked to someone who worked at Amazon for 10 years before starting what many consider to be the Ferrari of all Amazon advertising software platforms. She also created the first ever sponsored video ad that ever appeared on Amazon. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. How can you get more buyers to leave you Amazon product reviews? By following up with them in a way that's compliant with Amazon terms of service. You can use Helium 10 follow-up in order to automatically send out Amazon's request a review emails to any customers you want. Not just that, but you can specify when they get the message and even filter out people that you don't want to get that message, such as people who have asked for refunds or maybe ones that you gave discounts to. For more information, visit h10.me forward slash follow up. You can sign up for a free account or you can sign up for a platinum plan and get 10% off for life by using the discount code SSP10. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon or Walmart world. And every now and then we do kind of like a, a PPC centric episode. We call it PPC talk, but we're going to talk about a lot of things today because we got a special guest here. Last time I saw her, um, actually was, you know, she's just chilling there on Bloomberg TV as the, the number one expert uh, about the uh, Q4 earnings call to that uh, big network, you know? So like, it's, that's why I said, it's kind of an honor to have her on here. Melissa, how's it going? It's going awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming here. You know, now Melissa is, uh, is at PackView, which is now the um, kind of like a, a sister company here to, to Helium 10. So it's so awesome that we get to to join together with such talented uh, people and also great companies uh, like PackView and Melissa here. So since this is your first time on the show, uh, what I like to do is I, I like to get your your superhero origin story, your backstory. So like, where did you, where are you now? Where did you grow up? Uh, college, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So college, uh, I went to the University of Texas at Austin, which is such a fun school. And then my husband dragged me to Seattle. He was not my husband at the time, but he was working at Microsoft and moved to Seattle from Dallas, which was a very big shock. But ultimately in Seattle, I got a job at Amazon in 2005, where I was the original uh, beauty buyer. So Amazon had just started the consumables business. They were drop shipping through drugstore.com, which is not in existence anymore. And I was able to get a, one of my gigs at Amazon, basically creating from scratch all the relationships with all the CBG companies, really figuring out how to, how to ship tubes of toothpaste profitably across the internet, which I think we're still trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, so I spent 10 years at Amazon. Wow, that's a pretty exciting. How how was that? Like, what from when did you from what year to what year are we talking about uh, roughly? Two thousand five to two thousand fifteen. So when I would go to trade shows, I'd actually have to turn my name badge around backwards because nobody wanted to talk to Amazon. Amazon was such a small like it was a bookseller, and so mm -hmm. they I would go to you know like these big trade shows for the you know, health and beauty products. And they were just surprised that Amazon was there because they thought Amazon sold books. So it was yeah. a very different conversation than today where people are chasing Amazon to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Then it was, I was chasing people to sell on Amazon. Interesting, interesting. Now, after that, what was your next endeavor? 
So after I spent five years on the retail side of the business at Amazon, and then I spent five years in the ads business when it also was first started. So I actually was on the um, product side, creating a lot of the ad products that we use today, like the sponsored display ad. And after PackView, I left. I started the e-commerce function for a big shopper marketing agency. Um, I did some consulting, but in 2017, I got the opportunity to get the API from Amazon. And I started PackView with my partner, Zhao Wei. Awesome, awesome. Now, I remember reading somewhere, didn't you do the very first something or other uh, when it comes to Amazon advertising? Like some, like you did the very first some kind of ad, if I'm not mistaken. It was the very first video ad. So back when um, Amazon used to have this thing called the fishbowl, I, I think they still do this today, where they'd have these famous artists come and they do um, book reading or music and they would play this on the homepage of Amazon. And this was before there was an advertising business at all. And so Unilever came to me and they were like, hey, we want to play the Super Bowl ad on the Amazon homepage. And this was before advertising was a thing. And so it kind of got the business case going with like, hey, we can get these big branding dollars from, from brands that want to pay us money to be on our homepage. So I leveraged that widget. It was like a video widget on the homepage and turned that into this ad unit to drive um, to this whole landing page of Dove products. They were all out of stock. Mm. So it wasn't quite the most successful integration for (laughs) the vendor um, Uh because we drove all this traffic and they had not enough inventory to support it. But it kind of was this early test of the fact that people will go to Amazon, see products on the homepage and go there. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so a little piece of uh, Amazon history you you have uh, staked your claim on. I like it. Now, speaking of Amazon and, and what I you know talked about earlier um, was that earnings report. And I have not, you know, I'm kind of a, a, a procrastinator. I still have not had a chance to read that whole transcript of uh, what it, what went down. But maybe you could give me the uh, cliff notes and everybody else out there who maybe haven't had a chance. What were your biggest takeaways uh, from that recent report? Yeah, I mean, it would kind of, this past week was really interesting because there was such a huge difference between Google reporting earnings and they were awesome and Facebook or Meta reporting earnings and it was the exact opposite. So people were like, is Amazon going to go the Google way or the Meta way? And they wound up going the Google way. So basically, they reported earnings. The street was incredibly happy. Stock price went up. Um they announced a couple of things. So sales were up, profits were as you can expect not amazing. But they have the ads business and AWS to kind of pick up their profit. And both of them did really well. The big news was that for the first time, Amazon actually broke out advertising as a line item in their P&L. And they'd never done that before. So they exposed how, mu- how big that ads business actually is. And it's $31 billion. And they wow. did like $9.7 billion in the quarter. And it was up a lot from the last year. And actually, I think it's more profitable than AWS. So... Um, they, they showed that, uh, so they, all, the other big thing that happened was they announced they're increasing the price of prime $20. Yeah. So every four years, Amazon has increased the price of prime. Um, it's that four year mark. They've added a lot of features and functionality into prime and they'll continue to do that. So, uh, you know, prime is like this hugely sticky subscription service. And yeah. so the question is like how many people will turn from that, but Those were kind of the biggest takeaways. Um, The other interesting thing that they talked about just in the earnings notes that people Mm -hmm. aren't really talking about 
is how they're getting bigger into physical stores. So e-commerce is like 10 to 20% of total retail sales. There's this huge percentage, 80 to 90% of sales is actually happening in stores. So like the majority is happening in stores. So they're talking about uh, these new, like they're launching a new fashion store in LA, which I hope to visit with you when I come down there Mm -hmm. when it opens. Uh, but they have a lot of this, you know, focus on, on the physical. So that, that could be a trend. And with regards to advertising, they did enable, this is not part of earnings, but mm-hmm. you can target Whole Foods audience customers online. So the, this whole like online offline concept of, you know, be where the, where the shopper is, is kind of important. Yeah. Now, you know, talking about, you know, retail versus online, I mean, I think, more than at any time in the last three or four years that I can think of, uh, a lot of e-commerce sellers or Amazon sellers in particular are more conscious uh, or conscious conscious uh, of the need to kind of diversify where they're selling. You know, not, not just talking about selling on Amazon versus selling you know, in brick and mortar, but just you know, there's such a diversity of of online marketplaces now. And, and like you had said, you know, uh, you know, five, uh, ten years ago. You know, people didn't even think about Amazon, and then there was we went through a period of time where people were only thinking of selling online on Amazon. But now I think we're in this stage where people, are, especially during the pandemic, people when people got shut out of Amazon, they're like, "Man, it's not so great to to have all my my eggs in one basket, as it were." So I just want to get your thoughts on kind of like multi-channel, like what's the importance, you know, here in 2022. Uh, do you agree that that's more of a necessity to, to kind of diversify where you're selling and, and what your thoughts are on that? I definitely think so. And and we so at Packview, we actually support 30 retailers in 18 countries. So we're working with Amazon is our main, you know, our biggest channel, of course, but Walmart, Instacart, Target, um, you know, you name it, we're working with a lot of different retailers. And we're seeing a huge trend of people kind of expanding beyond Amazon not putting all their eggs in the Amazon basket because if you get shut mm-hmm. down and that takes a while to get back on, um, Walmart is kind of one of the next big places people go. And Walmart has a huge focus on building out their marketplace. So that is a, that that is something that from their you know CEO level is a big priority for them. So you know definitely as Amazon gets more expensive, so CPCs have increased. 14% year over year for sponsored products and seven and a half percent for sponsored brand ads. Um, you're kind of a small fish in a big pond on Amazon. It's pay to play. So it's getting more expensive when you, you know, we're seeing some benefit of being first on some of these other platforms because it's cheaper. Uh, there's less competition. We saw this with a big CE, a consumer electronics. I think we did a big case study with Hisense uh, in this, in this one where for advertising, they launched on the Walmart, you know, marketplace. And actually I think Hisense might be a vendor, not a, not a three piece seller, but either way, same thing. Mm -hmm. They, they saw a lot of success being an early mover onto the Walmart platform. Okay. So, so Walmart is, is, you know, I I think uh, I would say that that's probably the second, you know, priority as far as online marketplaces. What about after that? Like, do you have any predictions on, I'm not sure personally, at least nothing sticks out in my mind of like, oh yeah, this is clear, clearly the number three place after Amazon and Walmart. Do you, do you have any idea on who that's, who's going to emerge as that? Or is it pretty much kind of like even after Amazon and Walmart? I mean, those are the big two. I think one of the kind of one of the hurdles or challenges is that mark these marketplaces after Amazon are gated. So it's not just a sell, serve, mm-hmm. easy, get onto the marketplace. So for example, Target, 
um, I think is another, another one that's naturally another marketplace to go on. But the issue is it's, it's much harder because it's a gated marketplace. And so that's, that's where, that's really the blocker to, to scale the marketplaces for these guys. So, you know, they're trying to balance a good customer experience with, you know, not just letting everybody on the marketplace, which also is serves in people's favor if they can get on it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. But I think that's the biggest challenge is that it's not just an easy launch onto Amazon has such a small, it's not even a moat. Like you can just launch on the marketplace. It's self-serve. Whereas even Walmart, Target Plus, like all these other marketplaces, yeah. it, it's a little bit gated. But the net of it is if you look at traffic patterns and where people, customers are going, they're going to Walmart, they're going to Target. And so that's how I prioritize is where's the traffic, where are the customers going? And then the other thing is, I mean, we've seen, for example, on Walmart, lower ASP items, lower you know priced items convert better on Walmart. So when you think about your portfolio, if you have you know, a higher price item, maybe you went that item on Amazon and maybe you create a separate kind of product, different brand on Walmart. That's a lower ASP item. So trying to figure out like these are different customer profiles and that's why you can get more market share for your products um, with these different audiences. All right. I like that. Now you mentioned some, some different trends in advertising, like, you know, an overall increase in cost per click um, on Amazon. What are some other Amazon centric um kind of trends that you're seeing as far as in the advertising space, because, you know, it, I have never seen, um, you know, the amount of new, you know, data and new kinds of ads and, and new access to ads that, that used to be kind of like only for vendors, you know, before, you know, as the last two years is really incredible, at least in my opinion, as far as what kind of uh, analytics Amazon is making available, what kind of advertising that Amazon is making available, even to just everyday sellers that before you had to be a pretty big brand to have access to. So what are some of the, the trends that you're seeing in this space? Yeah. I mean, so from, from one in terms of just kind of overall getting more expensive, I mean, that's just the case where CPCs are rising. That is indicative of a more mature marketplace. I mean, that's just what's happening. But like you said, I mean, there's just more placements. There's a huge focus on sponsored display ads. That's a big priority for Amazon this year. So they're, they're focusing on a lot of more features within that specific ad product. An example would be they just included Twitch as an audience that you can target within sponsor display. Mm-hmm. So more placements. I remember when sponsor brand ad was just like right below the toolbar and then they just exploded out the number of placements yeah. that that product has. More placements, um, more, more data to your point. I think the question is what you do with that data too is just more automation features. So that's, you know, now I think that they're giving more power to sellers to have more budgeting features, more automation features. So that's good for them. And then the other thing is, uh, I mean, there's a lot, but video is also another big thing that's that's launched within the space. So we saw this, I think it was more available to vendors before sellers, but mm-hmm. we have noticed that the conversion for video ad types, so there's, you know, within sponsored products, there's video um, and sponsored brand ads, and those convert a lot better. The issue is, actually having the creative to create those videos. Yeah, yeah. So I think Amazon did create a, um, a video creator. So it's self-serve and you can create videos. The other thing is just this big focus on streaming TV. I, I think that this is maybe less relevant to sellers. It's a little bit more relevant to vendors. They're going after these big branding budgets and buckets of mm-hmm. money. And this kind of competes with Hulu and Roku. 
but streaming TV. So there, there's probably kind of, there's a lot of that in the ecosystem as well. And then expa- expanding to countries. So Amazon has 18 different countries that they're available on or more. The API is available for 18 different countries, but having parity to be able to launch globally. Yeah. Now, you know, you have access to, to so much data and, and, you know, something I've heard some some sellers, uh, you know, have concern over is, is like different, you know, as far as relating to advertising, like click fraud and things like that, where all of a sudden, you know, competitors will just send a bunch of fake clicks. Now, you know, I've read in different places, you know, Amazon kind of um, has its own internal mechanisms to to detect that and and perhaps, you know, shut some of that down or, or not charge you for that. But I'm just wondering, you know, with PacView, is that like an uh, something that you're actively, you know, looking for, like, you know, for click fraud, or is it just something that you're like, all right, it exists, there's not much we can do about it, so we just budget for it kind of, or, or what can you talk about that? Amazon has a lot in place around robot detection, and mm-hmm. there's, there's going to be bad actors all the time, and the thing about bad actors is they go down one loophole, they get caught, and they go down another one. And so it is just like a a game of whack-a-mole to find those things. But Amazon has the most sophisticated tools out of all the retailers to be able to detect that, those kind of, that fraud. And it's just, it's really, it's really hard for third-party tools to have anything to do with that because it's it's so much more on the Amazon side. But, you know, I think it's getting better and I think that they they can train their their robot detection around identifying those bad actors. But I don't think we can ever expect that to go away. But the thing about Amazon's algorithms, they're very sensitive to relevancy and price history and sales. And, and that click fraud, when, when they see the, a really weird behavior, that flags things in their system. So okay, that's, cool. that's, a, that's one that's a pretty tough one to solve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't expect you to solve it in, in three seconds there, but it's good to know that it's, you know, it's not, I, I like the fact that Amazon does proactively on their own, you know, try and detect it. And I've even heard of, you know, just without even a seller asking for it, you know, they'll get like refunds, like uh, a message saying that, oh yeah, we, we detected something. So, you know, you're going to get this refund on it. So that's good to know that it's not like so wide. I would have got really worried if you're like, yeah, we have packed for you uh, budget 20% to, to, to fraudulent clicks or something. That would have worried me a little bit. So I'm glad that wasn't the answer there. Um, now just, you know, in general, you know, my specialty way back in the day was like on Amazon launches and, and doing things like, you know, two-step URLs and, and search find buy and, and, and things, um, related to that. A lot of that stuff that, you know, years ago was, was just, you know, mainstream because it wasn't against Amazon in terms of services. Now, all of a sudden, you know, in the last few months, against Amazon in terms of store. So I think more people, including myself, are now relying almost strictly on on advertising in order to get that organic, you know, uh, keyword positioning that we want. So just in, in general, I know this could be a whole podcast in itself, but uh, what, what at PacView, um, what do you guys see as far as trends, as far as how your Amazon, on Amazon advertising and off Amazon advertising kind of affects organic, you know, placement? And, and when I say organic, I'm not just talking about Amazon, but, you know, maybe even you know, Google or, or, or other kind of placements? Yeah. Well, I think, I think one thing that we've always tried to do is uh, peel back and uncover what is the algorithm for organic ranking, right? I mean, that's what we've been trying to do forever. And the thing about Amazon is they're always changing it. They're, it's a black box in some ways, but there, there are some principles that remain the same. But one is traffic. So really driving a ton of traffic. Traffic is king in terms of how you get that organic ranking 
there's a huge component to relevancy. Something that I love about Helium 10, um, as we're getting to know each other, is our team uses the um, index checker a lot so that you can mm-hmm. figure out, is that is that ASIN actually relevant to the keyword? Because um, that is a huge impact to both ads and organic. If you're not going to rank for that keyword, don't even bother, basically. Yeah. But, you know, understanding the relevancy algorithm, it, it has to do with sales history, profitability, traffic that's coming to you, estimation of how is it, is it going to convert or not. So being able to uncover and unpeel back that, that kind of how they are doing the organic ranking algorithm and then being able to figure out, okay, how can I drive those actions so that I can increase it? So increasing yeah, yeah. traffic and things like that. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Now, um, you know, on this same topic, let's keep going about here about PPC. Uh, one of the most common things I see in Facebook groups and things like that is uh, of people looking for kind of like outsourcing as far as, Hey, looking for an agent or, uh, an agency, I should say, or a mentor or guru or something is, is on advertising, you know, like people from, you know, huge companies down to brand new sellers. The thing that they feel the most skeptical about as far as their own abilities is the ability to manage their PPC myself being one of them, you know, when I was a consultant for Amazon sellers, I never touched one PPC campaign. I was like, you know what? That's, I don't want to learn. That's too difficult. I don't think I can handle that. I'm just going to strictly focus on launch and keyword research and and product research and things like that. So, you know, you've, you've seen it all uh, as it were, like, do you have an opinion on like what stage a seller should be when, Hey, you know what? You should probably just try and run your own PPC. You know, Amazon has so much analytics or use a, you know, like helium 10 atomic or something, or as opposed to somebody who you would probably suggest, you know what? You're at the stage now where you might, you might look into hiring a professional agency to to manage your PPC. That's really going to be more beneficial to you than trying to figure it out on yourself. Do do you have any opinion as far as that goes? Yeah. I think that there's a lot of different variables that you have in questions you have to ask to make that decision. So one is time, like how much time, if you're a one person show and you're doing everything, you don't have a lot of time to spend on your advertising and then to keep up with the latest trends and all that kind of stuff. So if you have no time, you should outsource it to a third party. If you do have time and you have a team then building the muscle in-house is so much better um, because then you can control it. So I think there is a big aspect around time. Using the right tools is a huge part of it. So I think almost everyone I know starts with Helium 10. Helium 10 is the best tool Mm -hmm. to kind of give you visibility into everything. When you reach a certain ad budget, you know, we find that there's a certain audience that, that it doesn't make sense to pay for a tool like PackView until you're spending a certain amount of money on, on Amazon. Okay. So, and that, that threshold is usually like $300,000 a year or, you know, somewhere around that. So if you're not spending enough money to make use of a tool, then you should continue to use, um, you know, kind of less expensive tools that give you visibility, but mm-hmm. you don't, you're not buying something that a, you don't have time yeah. to run. But the other piece of it, what you said earlier, there's so much information, like strategies and tactics are harder now. Um, you know, to really kind of understand how you win page one. And so if you don't have a third party that you're working with, at least being part of forums and you guys put on great forums, there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that you can follow that always are talking about the latest features and how to use them. So really being curious and following people that give you information so that you could keep up with it and what it means to you, at least being part of the community is, is really helpful. 
Okay. Along those lines, you know, that's kind of like uh, what I wanted to ask you about is, is the education, you know, for, for a lot of people, uh, the education gap, as far as how, uh, how to do, you know, advertising, how to manage your PPC campaigns is what is the biggest problem for, for people. They just like, Hey, where do I go to learn? So, you know, here at helium 10, we've got the freedom ticket program where we have like a, a week uh, of modules dedicated to, you know, PPC. Um, we have live, uh, shows like the tacos Tuesday that, that we have every other week with our, our expert here, Vince, where anybody can ask him questions about, about advertising. I'm just curious, like at PacView, do you guys have anything similar? What are you doing as far as the education space, like trying to inform people, you know, how to manage their campaigns and things like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge believer in this education space. And we actually just hired um, a training director and we're building a team out around uh, training. So we've implemented a learning management system. We really want it to be deep level strategies and tactics. And so this system is online video training. Uh, also, it's written and video. And then we also have live webinars. But, you know, there's there's so many strategies and tactics to get deep into, not just kind of on the periphery, how do I do this? But how do I win? How are aggregators using PackView to win? And so really putting some meat behind those strategies and tactics in a, in a learning management system and having access to our team to help them. Those are some of the things that we're, we're building out and we've been investing in this year. Okay, cool. Now, you know, you, you mentioned aggregators who use PackView and by definition, it's a lot of, you know, larger, larger companies who are already established. Those are the ones who you, um, who end up, you know, hiring PackView um, or, or, you know, subscribing with you guys. Now I'm just curious, you know, if somebody's a big seller and they join you, they must know what they're doing to have scaled to, to that level to be able to, to say, you know what, PackView makes sense. So just out of curiosity, like what kind of things are is PackView bringing to the table? Like how do you take somebody who's already crushing it on Amazon and level them up? Like what are the things that you're seeing that, wow, there's some room for improvement there, even at a, you know, even though they already achieved a, a pretty, you know, uh, impressive measure of success? So I think one of the cool things about PackView is that we have, we can enable new sellers or more advanced sellers. It's really any level that you are at. When you get to be a, when you're, to answer your question, there's a lot of cool strategies and tactics that they can use in PackView. We have all different kinds of automation levels. So one is just set and forget. I want this you know, ACOS or ROAS or whatever, just make the tool, make that happen. So we have that level of automation, but to be very strategic, we also have rule-based bidding and that's where you can get really smart with your strategies. So you can bid based on market share. You can bid based on share voice. So like you can say, Hey, I'm on page five, but I want to get to page one for this, these really important keywords. And you can say, I want 20% share of voice for those keywords. And so you can create a rule that just allows you automatically to achieve that. Or you can say, hey, I wanna only sell, I only wanna advertise items that have eight weeks of cover, this much inventory. So those are some really kind of deeper features that we enable besides what you can do on Amazon. So we're always looking at what are the added values and features that we can do beyond what you can just do using the Amazon UI on PackView. And so these deeper level strategies really allow you to conquest against your competitors or give you visibility of where the opportunity areas are and be able to achieve those. 
So it's a really efficient way, you know, how can we, how can I most efficiently spend my money using kind of optimization and automation features that PackView gives you? Okay. Now, you know, speaking of that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who maybe they've heard of PackView. Almost everybody's heard of PackView, but they're not exactly sure, you know, what you guys do or who, who they're for. So just, you know, what, what, who, who is the, you know, the, the person who can most get the benefit out of PackView? If you can just, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what you, what you guys do. Yeah. So PackView is a, it's a software platform. So similar to Helium 10, it's, it's a software. Whereas, you know, if you're a brand new seller, just starting out, you're probably starting off with a Helium 10. Um, but when you get to a point where you're, you've got your products up on Amazon, you're, you're starting to sell, you want to take your, you know, you want to go to the next level and you have enough ad budget that's when these sellers will come to pack you and say, okay, I'm ready to kind of take my strategies to the next level, use a, use a, let's call it a Ferrari of tools mm -hmm. and be able to get really robust reporting. So we have all, and then especially as you launch onto more marketplaces, so Walmart and other places like that, we're really unifying all of those retailers into one place. So you don't have to log into all these different platforms. You just log into pack you. You can see all your metrics and KPIs with reporting. Um, and then you can also manage your campaigns on PathView. So that is your, your a little bit more, your past, just starting out. Um, certainly, if you want to be on multiple channels, you're using PathView. And then if you're interested in just saving time and really automating your strategies, then you can use a tool like PathView. Okay, cool. Now, one thing, you know, the other day when I was browsing the website um, and just kind of, I don't remember what it was. It was like in the about us section and, and then the top two line items about what you guys do is obviously, you know, Amazon advertising, Walmart advertising, but then the number three kind of took me by surprise. It said Instacart. Now <laughs> I'm not, I've never used Instacart before. You know, my family, um, if I'm not mistaken, they order from Instacart for like from Costco or something like that. So yeah. I'm just, in my mind, I'm trying to wrap my head around like, First of all, what how how would it work advertising on Instacart? Like, is are these like people like Costco and and different grocery stores just advertising, or are, are you are you putting Amazon uh you know ads <laughs> on Instacart? Can you talk about what you guys do for for Instacart? Yeah. So first of all, like the way I I use Instacart all the time, it's such it's a it's a it's a life and game saver. But you can think of Instacart. Instacart's very different than Amazon because it's like an aggregation of marketplaces. So okay. it's Costco, it's Total Wine, it's you know it's got thousands of retailers. You go to Instacart, and let's say I want to go, you know, I I don't instead of going to Costco, I can just do all my shopping on Instacart, and it's quick delivery to my door. So that's how Instacart works. Now. There's ads on Instacart. It's very heavily CPG focused because it's a very, it's heavily grocery focused. They do have like Best Buy and some other retailers in there, but mm -hmm. it is more of a heavily, you know, like grocery focus. You have ads on there. So the brands um, are advertising, just like the brands are advertising on Amazon. Um, they're putting their ads on Instacart. So let's say that you're within. Costco and you're shopping Costco. So you, and you, and you type in batteries, the experience is the same as you would see on, on Amazon. They actually just changed their word feature product to sponsor products. So they used to, they, that was their terminology, but they, they want to be consistent with the industry. 
And if you type in batteries, you'll see Duracell's sponsored product listings show up. So it's, it's a similar experience. It's just kind of a different platform. Um, I wouldn't say it's really big for sellers just yet yeah. because there's not a lot of sellers yet on the marketplace. But it is, it is something to know. And the other thing is it's, these, it's the feeds coming in from Costco and the feeds coming in from Best Buy. So there's a little bit less control that Instacart has over those products. Uh, but right now, more of the bigger brands are leveraging Instacart. But I definitely think that um, they're very advanced. I mean, they also are launching features at a very fast rate. And they are wanting to scale their marketplace as well. So I, I predict that they will open this up in a bigger mm. way um, as well. So basically, it's kind of like, I need to have a brand that is in these stores that are showing up on Instacart and it just kind of like takes me to that item, uh, right? That's right, yeah. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I could see this as, as, you know, especially over the last two years. I mean, I don't have any numbers, obviously. I'm just talking off the top of my head, but, you know, everybody all of a sudden was ordering groceries online because that's all they could do, like for a certain period of time and then people kind of got used to it. So I imagine this 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 way of ordering, you know, your groceries or, or just from regular stores is, is highly increasing. So I always tell people that, hey, yeah, Amazon is great. Walmart.com is great. Uh, the almost holy grail though is, is once you start actually getting into some of these brick and mortar, like you get into Walmart brick and mortar and, and it's going to dwarf your, your sales on, on Amazon, you know, usually, um, because there's just, you know, so many stores and things like that. So, uh, Instacart definitely is something that once you get to a certain, uh, especially if you're of, of course in the grocery space, I could see how that could definitely help a, a lot of seller scale. Now, um, regardless of the platform, regardless of the topic, you know, we have something here on the show that we call the, the TST 30 second tip that's. So, um, you know, hopefully PPC related, but it doesn't, ha it doesn't have to be PPC related. Uh, what is your 30 second tip for uh, sellers of, of any level out there that you think is, is beneficial for them? Man, 30 seconds is really hard. So you, you can go a little bit more. The, the, don't, the don't reason why me. it's TST, it can go two minutes. You can do three okay. minutes almost, you know, <laughs> uh, when you're, I always say is when, when you're Kevin King, it goes, the, the T stands for 10 because he can never say anything that low. So it, it's a 10 minute tip, but you pick which one, what you want the T to mean. I think, I mean, number one tip is test and learn. That That is like such a critical thing, especially in a marketplace like Amazon. They're always launching new features, always launch. There's always a shiny penny somewhere. And so if you don't just try it out and you test the waters in a conservative way, you're never going to know if it works or not. So that's something that we are always running test and learns at PackView and trying to figure out what's working, what's not working, and then we'll write articles and blog posts about it. So one is test and learn, and then go to PackView to see what blog posts we've written, um, because mm -hmm. maybe you can not have to test yourself. But always, always figuring out what is good, what is not good. How can I, you know, what's the cool shiny penny? Is it is it shiny or is it dirty? That's that's the question. Um, some other kind of easy tips are kind of out of stock and inventory. There's some ad products that will immediately pause like sponsored product and sponsored display when you're out of stock, but some don't. Sponsored brand ads don't automatically pause when you run out of stock. Mm. So really understanding how these these you know products work and don't, if you're running low in inventory, don't run sponsored brand ads. Awesome, all right. Well, that was great. You gave us multiple ones. I really appreciate that. Um, What's the website again? If people want to get more information, reach out to you, or or what um you know are some conferences uh, that are soon that you you guys might be at that we can that maybe people can even ask uh, questions in person to your your team. Awesome, yeah. So packview.com. The next conference that I'll be at, I'll actually be speaking on a panel, and I think you'll be there too at Prosper. Are you going to Prosper? Yes, in March? absolutely. 
Okay, so I'll see you there. Um, also going to Shop Talk, which is in March, which is kind of a brand focused conference. But the next one I'll be at is, is Prosper. So I'm sure I'll see a lot of you there and I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, Melissa, thank you so much again for taking time out of your day to, to come here and uh, educate us all, including myself. I learned a couple of things uh, uh, today as well. So I really appreciate it. And we'll definitely, you know, hopefully 2023, let, let's let's touch bases again, bring you back on the podcast, see what's what's trending then. Awesome. Looking forward to it.